0: Was that not incredible? Come on. Good gracious. Whew. Man, I want to get on all that, all that hugging y'all doing down here. That's awesome, dude. That's good stuff. Let me just tell you this. I know you guys probably don't think this, but uh, when, when there's a worship experience like that, there's a lot of times whenever I know y'all are probably thinking, man, I wish we would sing a few more songs. I'm right there with you. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I don't want to teach today. I just want to sit here and just sing songs and just worship God. It's awesome. But man, that was good. That was just a good moment right there. And so I just love these guys going public with their faith. And just being willing to say, hey, listen, I want everybody to know that Jesus lives within me. That's what, the, that's what the gospel is about. A life change. I mean, seeing someone's life changed by the power of the gospel. And so, man, I love that. And so, it's just so good to be in here and be able to celebrate and worship with you guys today. And if you're joining us online, thank you for joining us online. This is a. Great day. I mean, God has just done some incredible things. We had baptism in the first service as well. It's just one of those days where you go, man, it's a good day. It's a good day outside weather-wise. I mean, the whole weekend has been incredible, has it not? And uh, those days make you feel like, you know what, man, I feel alive. I I love the fall. It's one of my favorite times of the year. And man, a weekend like this weekend just makes you feel alive. It's incredible. And then you come in here and you worship like that and you celebrate Jesus and you celebrate lives being changed. There ain't nothing better than that. Man, I mean, it's all good. So, hey, we're in a series called uh, Winning the Battle of the Mind. They were hitting part three. And and I want to go back and kind of review a few things, but we, we kind of got to understand that, you know, there is an there is an attack on our thinking. Uh, I, I think back to whenever I prayed to receive Christ, I was 19 years old and I, I can remember that that moment just like it was yesterday. I remember walking down the aisle, coming down and, and the guy asking, he goes, Mike, what are you coming for? Or he said, son, what are you coming forward for? And I said, man, I don't know. I just know I need Jesus. And I got on my knees and I prayed a prayer that I lead people through at the end of every service. But in that prayer, I surrendered my heart, I surrendered my life, and I gave Jesus everything that I had, and I didn't feel like I had much to offer, but I gave Him everything, and I can remember standing up, and I felt I felt God's presence in my life is real, and is, is man, I just I felt Him changing me. I felt like I had been washed from the inside out, and I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but man, it was life changing for me. But the thing is, is I I began to struggle with how do you live out this life of following Jesus. And so there's no doubt in my mind. I prayed to receive Christ. I believed that I was saved. But man, I began to struggle. And so, like some of these guys are new believers, you know, I began to struggle. Hey, how do you live out this life of following Christ? What does it look like to be a godly man? What does it look like to be a godly young lady or whatever? And, and so I began to struggle with that because here's the thing for 19 years, I knew how to live a certain way that did not honor God. I wasn't trusting Him, but it was all about me. And so that pattern had been well established in my mind. And so, for me, I'm going, all right, you know, I've, I've given my life to Christ, but what does that look like? I don't know. That's why discipleship is so critical. Discipleship is so critical. This, this weekend, we've got man camp. That's what our focus is going to be on. It's going to be on discipleship. And if you're a man, man, I want to challenge you to be there. If you want to be that man of God that you feel like God has called you to be, then and you don't know how to get there, then join us this weekend. It's worth the investment of time, and it's worth the investment of saying, hey, you know what? I want to be under that teaching. But for me... For 19 years, I've lived a certain way. I knew how to sin. I knew how to do things that dishonored God, but I didn't know how to be a godly man. And so I, I, I remember saying, God, I don't know how to do this. And I began to flounder and struggle. And then a guy came into my life that began to disciple me and, and mentor me and teach me. And what he would do is say, Mike, you got to change the way you think. You know, this is what this was the pattern maybe that my mom and dad had given me. And he's like, man, that doesn't honor God. This is what scripture says. This is how we honor God. This is how we worship Christ. This is how we worship God. And so the more that I began to change the way that I think and what I believed began to change the way that I lived. And, and so I'm just telling you, that's what we've kind of get our, got to get our mind around. How we think shapes how we live. And so for me at the age of 19, for six months, I'm telling you, I struggled. I wanted to go back to what I knew because it was the pattern that had been established for so long. And for some of you, I'm just telling you, you do the same thing. You, you may make a decision, man. You go public. You want everybody to know, hey, man, I got saved. And then all of a sudden you start going, well, I don't know how to do this because no one has discipled me. No one has mentored me. Nobody has taught me. And I've got this pattern of thinking that does not honor God. That it's all about me. And it's, it's really about what I want and not what God wants. And but yet I'm saying that I have died to self and I'm saying that I have surrendered my life to Christ. And I don't know how to live that way. And so I'm just telling you, man, God has to change the way you think. And if he changes the way we think, it, it, it changes the way we live. And so for me, even today, you know, I, 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 that was 19 years of age. I'm 55 and I'm, I'm still going, God, I need you to change the way that I think. God, I want, I want a new pattern of thinking. And for a lot of us, man, we, we've never let God change our mind. We still think that we're not enough. We still believe that, you know, something somebody said, maybe somebody said, hey, you'll never measure up. You'll never be anything. Maybe it was your parents. Maybe it was an uncle. Maybe it was a coach, whatever. And all of a sudden we believe that. And we believe that lie rather than what God's word says about us, that he has a plan and a purpose for our life. And he wants to do great, mighty things to us. And so we've got to make a decision. We're go- are we going to believe, are we going to continue with that pattern of thinking? Or are we going to say, you know what, God, I want you to change the way that I think. And so we're going to kind of review some things I hit last week. And this is a statement out of Jenny Allen's book, Get Out of Your Head. It's a great book. And, uh, and I would encourage you to pick up a copy if you haven't. But this is what she said. She says, our emotions lead us to thoughts. In other words, how we feel. And again, remember, our feelings are a bad foundation because they ebb and flow. Someone can look at us the wrong way and all of a sudden we hurt. it hurts our feelings. And all of a sudden we think differently about that person. So our emotions lead us to thoughts. Those thoughts dictate our decisions. So the, the, what we think begins to dictate our decisions. In other words, our decisions are going to lead to something else here. Our decisions determine our behaviors. So how we act how we treat people, how we respond to people, all of that is changed by what we were thinking. And so we let our emotions lead us to a thought. That thought leads to a behavior. And, 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 and those behaviors, you know, is how we, we treat people, how we respond, how we act. And it says, and then our behaviors shape our relationships. And some of you in this room are probably in some really messed up relationships, dysfunctional relationships. I grew up in a home and had dysfunctional relationships. I had to learn what it was to have a healthy relationship and that comes from our, 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 really our relationship with God, the father. That's the only way we ever get there. This world is broken, man. I'm telling you guys, we are, the scripture is clear. The world is broken. It's not the pattern we're supposed to be following. God has a better plan for us, but our faith, our, our behaviors shape our relationships, which lead back to that decision up there of healthy or unhealthy thoughts. And so we have to say, you know, God, I want to have healthy thoughts. How many guys want to have a healthy marriage? How many guys want to have a healthy family? How many guys want to have healthy relationships? We all do, right? But how come we can't seem to get there? And a lot of it's because we've got jacked up thinking. Our, our our thinking is all, you know, it's all broken. And we've got to go, God, help me to change the way that I think. Help me to believe the truth of your word and not the lies of the enemy. And not even the lies that have been told to me by people that were my family. And so, God, I want to know what the truth is. And I want to, I want to follow the truth. The truth will set us free. And so our mind is the battlefield. We cannot forget that. Our mind is the battlefield. Some of you woke up this morning just like I do. You woke up this morning, laying in bed, you're sitting there and all of a sudden you get those thoughts, those, those thoughts from the enemy. You know, hey, you know, hey, it may not be a good day at the church for me. Sometimes it's like, you know, man, I don't know if I've got this message down. I don't know if I've got it where it needs to be. God, I don't want to get in the way. And all of a sudden the enemy begins to attack us. And maybe you're that way. You wake up and you're not you're laying in a bed and you're just trying to get awake. And all of a sudden you start having negative thoughts about hey, what all you got to do today. Or maybe you went to bed angry with your spouse or with a family member and you're already thinking about today's going to be worse. And all of a sudden, the enemy begins to attack our thoughts and we begin to believe the enemy and we believe that, hey, there's no hope that we're never going to make it. It's not going to work out or, you know, hey, I'm never going to get that job or I'm never going to get that that career. Or I'm never going to get this. And all of a sudden, we begin to believe the enemy rather than God. And so all of a sudden we begin to lose laying in the bed or maybe sitting on the side of the bed or maybe you're sitting there drinking a cup of coffee and you, you, you start believing all the negative thoughts. And remember, we talked about the numbers. Eighty percent of our thoughts. A lot of times they're negative. So what we've got to do is we've got to change the way that we think. And scripture tells us that we can do this. Romans 12 it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So God, when God changes the way that I think about myself, you know, it changes the way that I see myself and the way that I live. I've shared this before. I grew up with major insecurities. And and so for me, you know, I believe the lies of the enemy for so long. But whenever I got saved, whenever I gave my life to Christ, I began to look to see what God's word said about me. And the more that I began to understand scripture, that God had a plan and a purpose for my life and that God had created me unique. And he made me just the way that he wanted to make me and he wanted to do great things in me and through me. And he wanted to heal me and he wanted to bless me and he wanted to use me to do things in the lives of other people by serving them. And so the more that I would I would look at what scripture said, I would be like, you know what? I don't need to believe these lies anymore. I can believe that God has a plan and purpose. So my confidence became, you know what? Hey, I began to look at who I was in Christ Jesus, not who I thought I was or what somebody else had said I was. But I began to look at what Jesus said about me. And the more that I understood what Jesus said about me, the more confident I became in my relationship with him and confident that, you know what? That he loves me and that he has a plan for my life. And so my, my lack of self-worth became that I was, I believe, began to understand who I was in Christ. You know, I had, I had confidence and hope and I had security. I was secure in my relationship with God. I was secure in my relationship with him and it gave me a confidence in life. And so we can change the way that we think. Look at this next verse here. It says, then you will learn to know God's good will, God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I think most of us in the room that are believers would say, man, I want to know what God's will for my life is. I ask for God every morning. God, I want you to show me your will for today. What are, you, what are the steps that you want me to take? Who do you want me to spend time with? You know, God, give me a plan for today. But a lot of times we run into the day and we're just, saying, hey, hey, God, just bless my crazy schedule. God, just, you know, give me strength to get through it. Rather than going, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? But if we go back and again, we We let God change our thinking that says we will know his good, pleasing and perfect will. In other words, we know it because we're spending time in God's word, because the thing that changes our thinking is God's word. It is the truth of God that changes my mind. It is the truth of God that will change your mind. And the more that you allow God to change the way that you think about yourself and the way that you think about sin, then here's the thing. It it will change the way that you live. See, what repentance is, to be honest with you, is a change of thinking. Repentance is I'm changing the way that I think about the sin and I'm going to line up with what God's word says. Repentance is i hey, I'm changing the way that I think about Jesus, that he's not just some distant person. He's not some guy that died on a cross 2000 years ago, but I can have a real personal relationship with him right now, right here by faith. Me putting my faith in Jesus, me surrendering my life to him. I can have a right relationship with him and that changes the way that I think about Jesus and therefore it changes the way that I live. And maybe you're here today and like me, man, I, a lot of times I grew up thinking that Jesus was this distant person that had lived a long time ago and that I, I, I wouldn't be able to have a real relationship with him and that God was this high and mighty God that really just wanted to kind of keep me in line. And I really wasn't sure about the Holy Spirit and how he worked, so I didn't have any real relationship with him. But when I gave my life to Christ at 19, all that began to change. And so God began to change the way that I thought and it caused me to want to know his good, pleasing and perfect will Because I knew that he had my best interest in mind. The good news is we have a choice. And and you guys, you might be saying, why you cover that last week? I'm going to say it until you guys get it, I hope. But here's the thing, we have a choice. So when that negative thought pops into your mind, you go, all right, I have a choice. I don't have to think on this. I don't have to believe the enemy. I can believe the truth of God's word. I can, by faith, lean into what God's plan is and God's purposes for my life, rather than believing this lie. So we have a choice. And look look at this. This is a statement from last week. As a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to consciously choose your thoughts and replace ungodly lives with scriptural truths as a believer. And let me be clear. If you're sitting here today and you have never put your faith in Christ, you've never surrendered your life. You've never received salvation by faith in Jesus Christ alone and what he did on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. If you have never done that, you don't have a choice. But Jesus can set you free from the the captivity that you're in. Jesus can set you free from the bondage that you're in. That's why I came. Jesus came to seek and to save those which were lost. Those that were in captive. He wanted to set the captives free. And so, if you don't hear anything else today, you need to understand. The believer has a choice. But those who have not put their faith in Christ, really the only choice you have is to accept Christ or to reject Christ. You can choose to accept Him. You receive Him by faith you can choose to surrender your life to him that is total surrender saying you know what i don't bring anything to the table but i give you my life i give you everything then jesus steps in and he changes you from the inside out and he changes the way you think and, and so like when we look talk about the armor of god i've got a band here on my arm that someone gave me i think it was on father's day and talked about putting on the full armor of god well it talks about the helmet of salvation and the helmet of salvation begins to protect our mind And it gives us the choice to choose between the negative thought or the lies or whatever that's coming at us and to choose the truth of God's word. We have that power within us. We have the spirit of the living God living with us. But the helmet of salvation is critical. And I'm just telling you, you won't win the battle of the mind if you don't have the helmet of salvation on, period. And so we've got to understand we have a choice. We have to focus on what we believe and not what we feel. Man, our emotions are everywhere. I mean, even a while ago, some of you guys were getting emotional about these kids being baptized. I don't blame you. Me too. And I believe God was, right? But our emotions, are, man, they ebb and flow. I mean, we can we can, we can can kind of get sidetracked real easy emotionally. And so we cannot base it on what we feel or what we think. We've got to base it on what we believe. And we've got to understand, hey, number one, what do I believe? And if you don't know God's Word, you don't know what in God's Word to believe. If, if all you hear is what the world sends out and pumps into your mind through social media and the news and everything else, and you never get into God's Word and you never understand what He says... You never read this this love letter. If you never get God's word in front of you, then here's the thing. You don't know what he believes. And you don't know what he believes about you. But when, here's the thing. Whenever we get into God's word and we base our life on what we believe to be truth, which is God's word. Jesus is the word that became flesh that dwelt among us. And he died on a cross for your sins and for my sins. And so if I will think on those things, you know that, you know what? I think sometimes we don't want to think about the cross as too, too gory. I think it's important for us to sometimes just focus on the cross and go... Jesus, you hung on that cross with those nails in your hands and your feet for me. Jesus, you hung on that cross and you bled out your holy, precious blood for my sins, for my lying, for my cheating, for my stealing, for anything that I did that is contrary to God's word. Jesus, that's what you died for. And I think it's important for us to look at that and to focus on that. I think it's important for us to look at the resurrection. A lot of times it's only at Easter that we do that, but we go, man, there's an empty tomb. Jesus not only died on the cross, but man, he went and defeated hell. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He defeated sin so that I can walk in victory. He defeated all that. And I think sometimes we get so busy listening to the garbage of this world that we forget to focus on the shepherd, the king, and we forget to focus on our savior, the cross, the resurrection, him walking around saying, hey, put your hand in my hand, put your hand in my side and know that, hey, Thomas, I took care of you. It's important for us to focus on those things. But what we do is we focus on the lies. We spend so much of our time, like I said, 80% of the thoughts that a person thinks in a day, and that's about 30 to 35,000 thoughts are negative. Why would we do that? Why would we choose that when we can choose to focus on life and victory and freedom and, and salvation and healing? I mean, why would we focus on all this negative? Why would we believe these lies? Because some of, it, there's a little bit of truth thrown in there. And Satan loves to take a little bit of truth and try to twist. That's what he did with Jesus. He would come to Jesus and he would take a little bit of Scripture and try to twist it. But Jesus was the Word, so he knew he was lying. And so what we have to understand is, you know what, we need to know what the lies are when they come our way. One, we're told that I'm alone. You're not alone. Scripture says in Old Testament, New Testament, over and over and over, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. We go to the Great Commission. It said, hey, go and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Just what we got through doing, right? Go, and I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. That's discipleship. And he said, hey, hey, listen, I'll be with you to the end of the age. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm there with you. So Jesus is telling the disciples this. He's telling us, the church. Hey, listen, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But Satan says, you're alone. There's somebody in this room, I promise you, you're struggling with something right now. And you think you're the only one in the world that's dealing with or the only one in this room. I'm telling you, it's a lie. It's not. It's not truth. Whatever you're dealing with, I promise you, there's somebody else in here dealing with the same thing. That's why we have life groups where people come together. And then they build relationships and they're able to say, hey, man, I'm struggling with the same thing. Or I'm going through the same thing with my kid. Or I'm going through the same thing with my marriage. And you're able to come together and all of a sudden God uses you to literally to help heal one another and minister to one another. That's how the body of Christ works. We use our gifts and even our struggles and our challenges with one another to bring healing about. And so we're not alone. If anything, you've got people around you that want to be with you and they want to make a difference in your life. And Satan, Satan loves to isolate. That's what he does. You know, he's a lion who, who prowls around seeking whom he may destroy and devour. And he hates God. He hates the word of God. He hates everything that God is about. And God is about you and he's about me. He loves us. God loves us. So he hates us. He hates us and he wants to destroy us. And so he's always telling us, hey, you're you're alone. And he wants to isolate you. The more that he can get you alone, the more that he can get you to kind of keep that secret. Hey, don't tell anybody about this. Don't let anybody know. If you do, they're not going to like you anymore. They're not going to have anything to do with you. They're going to think you're disgusting. But here's the thing. If he can keep you alone and keep you with that secret, then he keeps you captive. And Jesus has come to set you free. And Jesus, hey, listen, come to me. You can confess whatever I've seen it all but he said hey listen you got to trust me the other lie is I'm unlovable and you may have been through enough relationships and enough broken relationships and enough t- things that you know you're just you're just tired of being hurt and you go I guess I'm just not lovable I'm too broken, I'm too messed up, I've got too much baggage You know, stuff happened to me as a kid Or stuff happened to me as a teenager or whatever and I made so many bad decisions And you know, I, I'm just in a bad place and, and all of a sudden we begin to believe that lie And we just kind of write ourselves off and say, you know what God couldn't love me God couldn't use me Nobody really wants to be around me But I'm just telling you, God says that He loves you John three sixteen. God loved the world so much That He gave His only Son to die That you might live you might have eternal life you might be able to be with him forever. That's how much he loves you. He loves you enough that he would let his son go to the cross. You know, And I think about, I said this last week, I see people that man, they love people. And they want to help people get set free from addictions or from brokenness or or whatever it might be. And they go, you know, what, the, and they just go out of their way to to help them. They'll go across the street to men to offer food or they'll go into maybe a drug infested area of the of the city to say, hey, listen, hey man, I want you to know there's there's hope and there's a purpose for your life. And they're willing to cross the line. They're willing to go anywhere. I think about people, missionaries that will go into foreign lands, foreign countries, that a lot of us go, man, I would never go there. Because, man, if you talk about Jesus there, they will cut your head off. And we think, man, I wouldn't go there. But, yeah, some people say, man, you know what? Those people have not heard the gospel. And I'm willing to go and put my life on the line so that I might be able to reach some with the good news. And you go, man, that is love that comes from God. And they go, hey, listen, if I die, I die. But I will die As a martyr of the faith. And I will die hopefully prayerfully that some will see that what I am willing to die for is worth living for. Woo! Come on, guys. What's wrong with that? I mean, that's the way we ought to live. You know what I'm saying? We ought to have that mentality. That, man, I'm loved and there's people that love me. I'm worthless. That's the other lie. We sit here and say, well, man, I'm worthless, Mike. You you know, nobody cares about me. I'm worthless. I'm not worth saving. I'm not worth investing in. But God says that you are a masterpiece. That He has knit you together. He has created you. Psalms one thirty nine talks about how we are created. And, you know He has knit us together, just the way that He wants us. Ephesians two ten says that we are a masterpiece. That He has put us together. We we have worth. We're worth dying for. That's what Jesus said when He went to the cross. I'm helpless. And this is another one. We say, man, I'm helpless. Mike, you don't understand this addiction. Mike, you don't understand this situation. Mike, you don't understand this relationship. Mike, you know, I don't, but God does. And I'm just telling you, you're not helpless. There is hope and there is healing and there is freedom and there is victory. And I'm just telling you, God wants a relationship with you. And he wants to take all this garbage that's in your life and then get rid of it. He wants to get rid of it. He wants to set you free. Too often what we do is we just keep, we just keep wallowing in the sin and we think, well, you know what? Man, I'm helpless. No, no, no. You're focused on the sin. You're focused on the wrong thing. Focus on the hope that we have in Christ. That's what we've got to focus on. And so we we got to know what the lies are. So here's the statement. If the enemy can claim the victory over your mind, then he can eventually claim the victory over your life. If he can win the battle of the mind, and I would even say for some of the believers in the room, you don't lose your salvation. But Here's the thing. You can lose a lot of what God wants to do in you and through you. And you lose the abundant life that Jesus died for. Because what we do is we give ear to the enemy. And if we give him enough time, he will, do, he will do everything he can to destroy what Jesus is trying to provide in your life. So don't give the enemy a seat at your table. We talked about this last week. Louis Giglio wrote a book called Don't Give a C- the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. He got a text from a friend that just, it just hit him between the eyes. And, and so as he began to unpack what that meant, he, it changed his life. And so what we do oftentimes as believers and as Christians even we will invite the enemy to sit down. You know, God has provided this incredible table for us to to literally this feast to spend with the shepherd, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. And we get to sit down and it's right across from Jesus and just take it in all of it. And just enjoy that moment. And then what happens is we take our eyes off Jesus and we we invite the enemy to come and sit at our table because, again, we like to wallow in our sin. And so let's let's look at this passage again. This is uh, the 23rd Psalm. Most of you guys know the Psalm. And so it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So King David, who wrote this Psalm, is, is saying, listen, man, I don't lack anything. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. All right, this is the same guy who had to face Goliath. And, and, and he said, "Hey, listen, I've got, you know, God, God gave me everything that I need. Now, everybody told him he didn't have enough, right? Whenever he goes to face Goliath, he goes and tells the king, he says, I will fight that Philistine. And everybody's like, "Listen, he has been this Philistine Goliath has been a fighting man since his youth. You're just a boy." But David knew that God had everything that he needed. And so he goes out. He picks up his five smooth stones. He goes out. He faces a giant. He takes him out. He takes off his head, and everybody's blown away. And we love that David and Goliath story. But it wasn't what David brought to the table. It was what it's what God the Father provides. What Jesus provides us. We lack nothing. We have the spirit of the living God. If we put our faith in Christ, we have the spirit of the living God living in us. We have we have the power of God at work in us to say no. We have def- Jesus died and defeated sin and death. And so we no longer have to bow down to sin. We no longer have to give in to temptation. But again, we often choose that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. And so there's things that God will do because it's in our best interest. You know, like a mom or dad. Hey, you, you ever had that baby that you needed a nap? Not just for them, but for you, right? I mean, that baby needs a nap. And so you're going to do everything you can to get that baby to take a nap. Because they just, you just need to make them lay down. And maybe they'll fall asleep. And it'll be better for everybody. Well, God sometimes has to make us rest. And He has to make us be still. And some of us are always in a rat race. And let me tell you, I, want, I like to do stuff. I like to be on the go. and, and But there's times we just need to be still. And, and what God is saying, hey, listen, man, He... You, you got to be willing to trust me just to lay down and take it, t- just to rest, just to rest your soul. Here's a, I love this passage. Here, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. This morning, the prayer team prayed over me. This morning, before the before the services started, uh, the first service, and, and, and I don't know about you guys, but man, when people pray over you, it it just refreshes my soul. And so that prayer team praying over me, it, it just refreshed me. And I was like, you know, God, thank you that there's people around me that love me, that are praying for me. They're praying for you guys. They're, that prayer team is praying for you guys as we're in this service. They're praying for those of you that are online, that you're watching online. They're praying for you. They're praying for God to open up your mind, to open up your ears. And here's the thing, to open up your hearts to Jesus. But man, it just refreshed me. You know, and, and every week we, you know, we give a time of response where you've got an opportunity to come down. And maybe have someone pray over you. But I feel like there's so many times that you sit there and you listen to the enemy. And the enemy says, I hey, mean, if you go down there, everybody's going to think something's wrong with you. If you go down there, everybody's going to think that your marriage is falling apart or that you're living in sin or whatever. And, and so here's the thing. We stay right there even though we know, you know what? I need, I need someone to pray over me. I need to take this down to the altar and just lay it down and leave it there. But the enemy loves to say, no, hey, if you go down there, everybody's going to wonder about you. And all of a sudden, we 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 stop listening to what the Father's doing in that invitation. We start listening to the enemy. Some of you guys may just need to come down and just be. Let someone pray over you. Even though I walk through the, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. I love this passage. Even though. I walk through the toughest of situations. You're with me. There it is again. We're not alone. And he'll protect us and he'll watch out for us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We unpacked that a little bit last week. But there's a table. And, 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 and the God of the universe is wanting to sit down with us. And we get to sit there and, and, and literally have a, a conversation with with God of, of the universe. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I mean, there's that promise, hey, I'll never leave you and I'll forsake you. And hey, listen, you're mine. You're my child. I love you. And I own a relationship with you. And so here's what we need to understand. You're a child of the king. I think sometimes we we miss that. You know, there's there's times, like I said, that we see Jesus all kind of distant. And we kind of see Jesus maybe as something religious. And he's not religious at all. It's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus died that we might have a relationship with God. And so I think there's times that we... We forget that, you know what, I'm, I'm a child of the King. If you're a believer, if you put your faith in Christ, you are a child of the King. Now let me back up a little bit. In Psalms 139, we talked about this a few minutes ago. If if you're in this room you've never put your faith in Christ, you were you are created by God. You were knit together in the secret place, your mother's womb. God made you. He created you just the way that He wanted you. But the thing is, is whenever you put your faith in Christ, like I did when I was 19, and you surrender your life to Him... You are adopted into his family and you become a child of God. So you go from being a creation of God. Psalms 139 to being a child of God and adopted into the family of God. And and, in other words, it's not just a creation anymore. You're part of the family. So therefore, you're a child of the king. You're created in the image of God. But now you're a child of God and you're part of the family of God and the body of Christ. And you're part of the church. And it's all by faith in what Christ has done and you surrendering You're like them. And I think it's important for us to remember that. You know what? I am. I am a child of the king. I mean, there's times whenever I think about the king of kings and Lord of lords wants a relationship with me. The God of the universe wants to spend time with me. He cares about how I think. I mean, we're in this this series called the battle of the mind and God cares about what I think on. He cares about what I believe. He cares about what I'm focused on. He cares about how I respond to people. He cares about how I treat people. And so God cares about the details of my life. Almighty God has invited you to sit down and dine with him. I mean, think about that. You know, if you're at a restaurant or if, if or you go to someone's house and they've invited you to come and you sit down and man, it's this incredible spread. It's like the most incredible feast you've ever been to. And you go, you know what, man, they invited me to sit down. Well, this is almighty God. The God who spoke everything into existence. That said, hey, let there be light. And there was light. He's, you know, he, he literally separated the waters from the land and created this earth. I mean, everything that we know and feel, he created But He wants to sit down and dine with you. He wants to spend time with you. I mean, He wants to bless you. And let me just say this. He wants the best for you. Mom and Dad, you you think about in this room. I I had a lady after the first service praying about her her child that's making some bad decisions. I've got three boys. Hunter, Zach, and Christian. I love them all three. And let me tell you this. I want the best for them. I, I don't want them going through life... Caught up in some kind of brokenness or caught up in some kind of bondage or I, I want them to be free I, I want them to experience the very best that god has for them. Don't you mom dad? Don't you want that for your kids? I mean you want the very best for them You want them to flourish. You want them to you want them to walk in peace You want them to have the fruits of the spirit in their life Well, here's the thing god wants that for you And and i'm just let me just say i'm just a broken dad I'm a broken dad, but I want that for my boys. I want that for my sons but God, the father who is perfect, man, he wants that for you. He wants you to have the very best. He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So God has set up this table. He wants to have this feast and he just wants to sit there and communicate with you to talk. And so think about this. You're sitting across from him and, and you're, you're learning about him. You are learning about his character. You're learning from him. You know, and the more that we understand who he is, the more we understand how much he loves us. And the more that we understand who God is, the more we understand He can set me free. He can heal me. He can change me. He can change the way that I think. Therefore, he can change the way that I live. But it says it's in the presence of my enemies. And let me just be clear about this. The enemy will still be prowling around. The the angry line that, you know, that first Peter talks about in three eight and that Jesus talks about that is roaring and looking for someone to devour the enemy's there. But if we stay focused on the shepherd, if we stay focused on Jesus it doesn't matter what the enemy does. He's already defeated. But too often what we do is we take our eyes off of Jesus and we invite the enemy to come and sit down. Because a lot of times he says, hey man, I don't blame you. I would feel the same way. I don't blame you. I would be out of here. I don't blame you. And so all of a sudden we like that empathy. We like somebody to kind of roll around in a misery with us. And we begin to take our eyes off Jesus. And we put it on the enemy and we begin to listen to him. And before you know it, we're walking down that road. So the dinner party belongs to you and God alone. The enemy doesn't have a place there. He doesn't have any right there. Unless you invite him. So here's, here, here's God has provided this, this, this meeting, this, this dinner, this moment. And it should be you and the father, you and the great shepherd. But if you invite the enemy to sit down at the table. He begins to devour the blessings that God has for you. Because you take your attention, your focus off that. When we invite the devil to sit down, he begins to devour the abundant life meant for you. Jesus has prepared this table. He's inviting you to sit. He's inviting you to sit down and just dine with him. He's wanting to bless you. He's wanting to just pour out blessing after blessing after blessing. He's wanting to encourage you. He's wanting to speak life of you. He's wanting to set you free. And we take our eyes off of him and we literally put them on the enemy. We begin to listen to those lies. It will always be this way. You'll never be healed. You'll never change. You'll never amount to anything. You're helpless. You're hopeless. You're alone. Nobody cares about you. And all of a sudden we begin to listen to that. We've taken our eyes off Jesus who says, I'll give you everything that you need. You'll lack nothing. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. This passage out of James says that we're going to go through tough times. And there's going to be challenges. There's going to be trials. There's going to be storms. Jesus never said the storms would go away. He said, I'll be with you in those storms in the darkest valley. I'll be with you. He, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you in, in the Great Commission. And so when we think on those things, we go, you know what? God, I'm going to go through tough times. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be perseverance that will be needed. And, and Jesus, I just need you to be with me. And, and we can look back at scripture and know that he is. But it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. After afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him so we're going to face temptations. We're going to face trials. But man, if we stay faithful, we get this crown of life. You might say, well, what am I going to wear a crown about?" No, if you look, read in the scriptures, we lay it at the feet of Jesus whenever we are in his presence. And we say, you know, God, you you are there with me. It says, and remember when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me because God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. And let me be clear. You might want to read that passage again. I think there are times, you know, we see a situation. We say, well, I feel like this is of God. No, no, no. If it's contrary to God's word, then it's not of God. God never tempts you to do wrong. God never tempts you to cross a line that he's already established as a boundary. He will never do that. And so if you begin to justify it, you begin to say, well, you know, everybody else is doing this. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're focused on the world, the pattern of the world. He said, hey, listen, I will never tempt you to do wrong. He always has your best interest in mind. Just like I'm talking about my boys. I want what's best for them. God wants what's best for us. And he's never going to attempt to do what's wrong or it's going to be destructive to your family or to your marriage or to your ministry or to your job or whatever it might be. He's never going to do that. But what happens is it comes from desires within us. Temptation comes from our own desires. In other words, we have this flesh that hangs on us. We still have these desires for things. You know, we want stuff. We want to be popular. We want to fit in. We want that job. We want that big house. We want we want all that the world says is important. And so we look at that. And so that temptation comes from within. And so this flesh that we battle, that we will battle till the day we die. The desire comes from, from within. And it says, which entices us and drags us away. So if we give the enemy enough attention long enough, we'll begin to go down that road. So that's why it has to start at the beginning. We go, you know what? I'm not even going to think that way. Because if you start thinking that way, you'll go that way. But if you, hey, if you take that thought captive, you give it back to Christ, you say, uh, man, under the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I'm not going to think that way. I'm going to think on the things of God and the promises of God and the truth of God's word. So we have to start at the beginning with the thought before it ever becomes a behavior, which ever becomes an issue that damages relationships. So we have to say, you know, God, don't let me walk down that road. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to Death. Death. And, and let's unpack what that, what this death is talking about. Death in this sense is spiritual death, not eternal condemnation for believers, but the destruction of the close relationship you are meant to fully and deeply enjoy with God. So the thing is, these desires can lead to a spiritual death that literally damages our relationship with the Father. We have offended the Father. We have offended Him. We've lived in, we're living in offense. And what we have to do is we have to be willing to come to Him and say, I want to confess it as sin. I want to repent of that. And I want to come to you, Father. And I want to make sure that we are in right connection. So for the believer, now look at this for the believer. It's not eternal condemnation, but it's a broken relationship. It's a damaged, strained relationship with the father. And you might be going through one of those times where it feels like, Hey man, I'm in a desert and maybe that you've got sin, unconfessed sin that you're hanging on to. maybe, maybe unconfessed sin that you, you just, you're, you're desiring, you're wanting it. And you know, it's contrary to God's word. You know, it doesn't line up with God's word. You know, that it offends God. But yet you're choosing it over him. You're choosing the enemy over him. Now, let me say this about spiritual death as well. For the person who is not the believer, who has not put their faith in Christ, who has not surrendered their life to Jesus. Spiritual death is separation from God for an eternity in a place called hell. Jesus spoke about hell. He said, hey, listen, if you don't put your faith in what I've done, he says, I am the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the father except through me. And so, therefore, if you choose to reject Christ, we have two choices. We can accept Christ or we can reject Christ. If we reject him, then spiritual death is our gift. If we receive Jesus Christ by faith and everything that he did, but only by faith, that we receive Jesus Christ by faith, then we receive the, the, the gift of eternal life. But spiritual death is what we experience without Christ. And for the believer, it's the, it's the relationship. It's damaged. And so here's a, here's a passage out of first John. That's really good. It says, do not love this world. Nor the things it offers for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the father in you. You want a litmus test? Scripture just gave you one. So look, do I love the things of the world more than I love God? Do I love the things that the media and social media and everything else has to say more than the word of God? Then we have to ask ourselves, am I really committed? Have I really surrendered my life to God? Am I really committed to following Christ's teaching for the world? World offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the father, but are from this world. And so what he's saying there, you know, it's, it's, you know, everything that I say, it's all about physical pleasures. What I want, what makes me feel good. Not really worried about my witness, not really worried about anything. It's what makes me feel good. It's what I, what I want, not worried about anybody else. You know, it's what I want, what I desire. And that that's paramount. And then the second one says a craving for everything we see. I mean, that's what the American, you know, culture is built on pretty much advertisements. If you watch any kind of football yesterday, you saw advertisement after advertisement after advertisement trying to convince you that you needed some product. All you needed to buy this, this drink. So if you really want to have a party like this or have this much fun, whatever it might have been. And so what we do is we go. It's a craving for everything that we see. In other words, we become materialistic. We have to have this stuff to really accomplish it. If I want to be successful in this life, I have to have a certain kind of car. I have to have a certain kind of clothes. I've got to have a certain kind of house. I've got to have it. And so our craving for that stuff becomes our focus. Not, not the kingdom of God. Not the things of God. Not even God himself. And then it says in our pride and our achievements and possessions. Man, we want to go on display. Let's put it on social media. Let's do whatever we can to let everybody know what we got. And let's build it up where where everybody can see it. And let's make sure that they know, hey, this is mine. And and the Bible says, look again, these are not from the father, but are from this world. And so if we understand that, man, we've got to be willing to say, God, something's got to give. So when life gets hard for us, we're almost always tempted to welcome the enemy to our table. And let me just say this life will get hard. Life's not a bed of roses. You know, this weather, who's enjoying the weather, man, is it incredible weather? You know, but we're in Alabama. It's not going to stay that way, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. I and mean, everybody's like, man, I had a guy text me. He said, man, I, I think this must be what heaven would be like. I was like, probably going to be better. Just saying, you know, probably a little bit better than that. But the thing is, is what we do we're tempted whenever we go through tough times and we will go through tough times. Don't miss that. We will. There will be bad days. There will be days. That, hey, man, things aren't going your way. But what we got to be willing to say is, you know what? I'm not going to invite the enemy to sit down on those days. But that's what we're tempted to do. That's what we have a tendency to do even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come from me. Scripture, I mean, David is saying, hey, even though I go through a tough time, even though I get a bad, you know, diagnosis from the doctor, even though my job was eliminated, even whatever, God, I'm trusting you. I'm walking with you. I'm believing you, Father. And so he's saying, hey, listen, even though I walk through the darkest valley, maybe someone has hurt you, maybe someone has left you, whatever it might be, you've got to say, you know what, even though... I walk through this valley. I know that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And so we need even though kind of faith. And let me tell you, that's easy to say and hard to do. But we've got to be willing to say, you know what? Even though they say the cancer's back, I will trust you. Even though, even though I lost my job. God, I'll celebrate who you are even though kind of faith look at what it says here in Habakkuk even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. For the believer, we have that mentality. It doesn't matter what comes our way. It doesn't matter what storms happen. But we've got to have that even though kind of faith. And every once in a while we'll see that in someone's life. And we go, man, I don't know how they get through it. But it's because they have even though kind of faith. I've shared before, I had a good friend that got killed in a car accident. On his way to college, one morning headed to class. We went there with the mentality of trying to minister to his mom and dad, me and a couple of buddies. And got there and we were basket cases. They ended up ministering to us. Their faith was so amazing. And they had that even though kind of faith. Even though we just lost our son who we loved. We know that he is with Jesus. Even though we have lost him. We're going to be faithful, for He is faithful. Even though we got this diagnosis, man, I'm trusting God and I'm believing God for healing. No matter what you're going through, you've got to have that even though kind of faith. And, and I don't know what you need to put in that that blank there, but even though our marriage is not where it needs to be, you say I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though my child has walked away, man, I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. I will celebrate him. I will worship him. And it may be that those who have walked away are looking back to see if your faith is real. And we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to have even though kind of faith, no matter what I go through, no matter what the situation might be. God, that my focus is on you and that you are the joy of my salvation. God, I will rejoice. God, I'll give you you praise. We sang songs a while ago. What, What an incredible worship set. And those songs we're saying in the middle of the storm, whatever it might be, God, I will worship you. And there's some of you today that you just got to make that choice. To God, I'm going to worship you anyway, even though it's a tough week, even though you know we're not doing well, God. Even though I will worship you, and it may be that God would use that to bring healing in your life. The task is still the same. Focus on the Shepherd. Focus on the Healer. Focus on the Redeemer. Focus on the Messiah focus on jesus the task for me the task for you is to stay focused on the good shepherd this is a quote from louis book we'll end with this it says god our good shepherd brings us through the valley of the shadow of death not to the valley but through the valley and i think sometimes we we forget you know that we, we get to that valley and we think this is it No, no no god's going to bring us through that valley through the valley. Our security is not based on what happens to us or what God gives us, but on His presence with us. When the enemy tries to fill your heart with fear, remember who you're with. Put your eyes on the Good Shepherd instead. See, there's some things that we'll be facing in life, and man, we can become afraid. But what Louis is saying, listen, remember who is with you. Remember who dwells within you. Remember who is never going to leave you nor forsake you. You know, I remember, you know, in, in, when I was in high school, there was a couple of movies that came out where you know, this guy was getting bullied and he would uh, get, get a big guy, a bodyguard or whatever, to be his bodyguard. And so whenever that guy was around man, he felt safe or whatever. Well, let me just tell you, you know, that guy in the movie didn't pan out. But here's the thing. The God of the universe is with you no matter what you're facing. Maybe you're facing, facing financial struggles. Maybe you're facing physical issues. Maybe it is cancer. Maybe it's diabetes, whatever it might be. But you're going, you know what? God is with me. Now I won't walk in fear. And I won't live in fear. And, and, and maybe, maybe your relation, you got some kind of relational challenge going on. Say, so, man, I'm going to stay focused on the shepherd. And I'm going to believe his word and his truth. And I'm not going to listen to the lies of the enemy. But I'm going to stay focused on who is with me. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe I didn't mention... What your challenge might be. But I believe there's some of you in this room that, man, you just need to be refreshed. There's some of you in this room, you need to lay some things down on the altar. And there's some of you in this room that you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. There may be some of you watching online. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. You're religious. But you don't have a relationship. And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Christ. To respond to Jesus. By faith. In what He did on the cross and what He did through the power of the resurrection. And so, right where you're at, just say, say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. If that's you, you say, Mike, I need to receive Christ. Then just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to confess to you. That I have blown it. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And his answer is yes. And say, Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you take over my life? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my leader? I confess to you that I'm a sinner. I repent of what I've how I've been living. That means I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's changing the way you think. And say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I give you everything. I put my life on the altar. If that is your prayer, you're saying by faith the bible says you are saved if you prayed that prayer by faith then jesus lives within you he's placed within you the holy spirit to lead you to guide you to teach you if you just prayed that prayer just raise your hand say mike i just prayed that prayer i just prayed to receive christ i just asked jesus to save my soul and to save me anybody in the room just raise your hand i know it takes courage to do it just say mike that's me anybody else i see your hand over here anybody else anybody else maybe online You've made that decision. If you just ask Christ to come into your heart, man, we want to celebrate. Just like we celebrated earlier. We we want to celebrate with you. That's a big decision. But, you know, I, I believe that, you know, if, you, if you've if made that decision by faith, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And, man, you're changed from the inside out from this point forward. But you've got to be discipled. You've got to grow. But I believe there's a lot of believers sitting in this room that are trapped by the lies of the enemy. And some of you just need some refreshing. So I'm going to ask Pastor West to lead us to a song. And I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to just trust God. If He tells you to go to the altar, go to the altar. If He tells you to go down and be prayed over, go down and be prayed over. But you just do whatever God leads you to do. And I'm going to ask everybody in the room to stand. Everybody in the room. Just to stand. And just, just let God lead you to do whatever He puts on your heart. Maybe it's to come down and have someone pray over you. Prayer team's here at the front. They're going to be praying for you guys. They'll pray over you. But it may be that you need to lay something down on the altar and leave it there for the first time. Just say, I'm going to leave it on the altar. And God, I'm trusting you. You respond as as, as the Lord leads.
1: I've carried a bird. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait, my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father. I'm done with it hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the fire.
0: My favorite part in that whole song is again and again and again. That, man, we can just keep coming to Him. Now, let me just say this. The invitation is always open. I mean, Jesus, it, you don't, if you don't nail something down here, Jesus is always open to you. And that again and again and again, man, there's times we just have to keep going back. God, I need you. God, I'm broken. God, I'm I can't seem to win, but I know that you have given me victory. And He will continue to guide you and lead you and reveal to you how to be set free. Father, I thank you for meeting with us. God, I thank you for loving us. God, I thank for all the people that you have here. God, that there was something they needed to hear today. Something they needed to see. Something they needed to celebrate. But God, more than anything, I pray that their focus has been on Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one. The good shepherd the great shepherd the healer our redeemer and father i pray for someone today to trust you with their life with their soul god thank you for meeting with us and thank you for such an incredible day of celebrating you and lives being changed in jesus name amen